Hello, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We just thank you for the opportunity we have right now to just consider your word. And Lord, as we consider it, we realize that really without you speaking to our hearts and our mind, it, it is really meaningless. So I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, speak to us this evening and open our hearts to what you would have us to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's really exciting uh, to be able to share with you. Uh, my name is George Cannon. I'm the pastor of the Kerwinsville Christian Church. Uh, it's especially meaningful for me because uh, 18 years ago, when I first came to this community, Pastor Steve introduced me, and I would have never thought that I would be here 18 years and speaking at this service. And uh, so I just want to say that uh, it has been a blessing to my family and I to be a part of the Kerwinsville community. I'm, I'm not from Kerwinsville. I, I'm an outsider. My wife says I'm a city boy, and, uh, but it's been a blessing to be here and to see the close-knit community that we have here in Kerwinsville. Especially, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, I really appreciate the faith community in Kerwinsville. Um, these pastors who were just up here, I count them as some of my closest friends. Uh, some of them, I would say, are my best friends. And it's been a real blessing to interact with them and to interact with you folks from the various churches here in town. Uh, not to feel threatened by each other, but to know that we all love Jesus and that we're all part of this community. And so when I was asked, I found out a couple months ago that it was my turn <laughs> to share, I'm like, oh my goodness, what am I going to share? And uh, so I've been really wrestling with, um, what am I going to share with you guys tonight? So something, though, kind of blew up into my mind, and that is really a concern I have. So that's really what I'm going to talk about tonight. Is a concern that I have for all of us in the faith community. You're aware of it. We're just not talking about it. Well, we're not talking about it out loud. We're talking about it amongst ourselves in our churches, in our council meetings, in our homes. And it's that all of a sudden we see a lack of interest in spiritual things among people. In fact, I don't know if you've noticed, maybe your attendance in your church has dropped all of a sudden. And there's no reason for it because it's not like they're going somewhere else. And, and at first you think, it's like I'm a pastor, you start thinking, well, is it something we're doing? Is it something at our church? And then you find out that, no, it's happening with all of the churches in your community. And then you start going outside of the community to pastoral things, and you're finding out that it's happening not just here, but it's happening everywhere in our country today. So it's a concern. And so we've, it's actually been coming for a while. It's kind of been there. And you're kind of like, well, what do we do about it? So I'm going to just point out a few things to you that kind of show you how we've tried to address it. Okay. The first one is, is that uh, we kind of look for something to bring life back into our churches. 
So with that, pastors, I've included, we try to think, okay, well, maybe it's a new program we need to do. Maybe we need to get involved in social justice. Maybe we need to get involved with a new Bible study. Maybe we need to get involved with community involvement. All of these things. And so we try that and we, we strive for that. In fact, some of our older members can remember when there was life and they'll say, well, you know, it's because you quit that VBS program or it's because you quit this child club thing that happened during the week. And I can remember when we did that and we had people here at the church and people at the altar. And, and uh, so we try something new. We figure that's the first thing we'll do is try something new. Second thing we try to do to address the concern is, I'll just be honest with you, is we try to find somebody to blame. Well, it's because of that other church. You know, I've been a pastor now over 25 years. I hear that all the time, and every five years it's a different church we're blaming. Fact of the matter is, it's not because of another church. If you really thought about it, the number of people who've left our churches or have decided that they no longer want to come to our churches would fill up several churches in town, not just one church. It's because of the pastor's preaching. He changed. Oh, he's teaching the same way he's always taught. Well, it's because we're no longer doing that program. No, that program probably needed to die. I can remember years ago in the 70s, I was a bus kid. You remember when churches ran buses? We don't do buses anymore. There's a reason why. But bringing that back wouldn't solve our problem either. So we try to blame other people. Now, here's the, here's the problem with those two things. First of all, it's really not those issues. So this is the third thing I want to point out, is that we're overlooking the obvious. We're overlooking what really is the underlying issue. It's not the culture is changing. Folks, I've been around a long time. Cultures always change. They always change. So that's not the issue. In fact, if you go back to the Bible, the original church was in a culture that we would never even picture ourselves in. But they thrived. How's that possible? Isn't that affecting us? No. Jesus said this to Peter. He said this. He said, and I say to you, Peter, on this rock, meaning himself, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He's basically saying, he's the one who builds our church. He's the one who is the one who is working in our midst. So that raises a question then. So what in the world's going on? Why is it now that we talk about people's commitment levels not being the way they used to be? Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, I interact with people people's commitment levels are pretty much still the same. You know, it's just that some reason in the church, the commitment level is not the same anymore. Where it's because of this and because of that. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. It's because something else, something more obvious than that. So let me just kind of read you something here, okay? Jesus said this, this came to me this Monday, because I was sitting there, when you're a pastor, you've got to think about, how are we going to do this? How are we going to overcome this? And then this thought came to me from John chapter 6 in the Gospels, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Can I say that again? No one 
can come to me. That's God speaking here. That's Jesus speaking. No one can come to me, Jesus is saying. No one, no one desires him. Nobody wants to come to him unless the Father who sent them draws him. Is it possible that the issue that's going on in my church and in all these churches in our area and in our community and our, our nation, it isn't all the outside things that we think or it isn't because we're doing this new program or we're not doing this new program or we got rid of the old program, we should have that program or it's because of the preacher's teaching or not teaching. Could it be that it's something more obvious that we're just neglecting, that we're not seeing? Could it be that it's God, for some reason, has withheld his blessing? You say, whoa, George, that's pretty heavy. This is Vesper service. Yeah, it is, but this is the community of faith, isn't it? Listen to this from the prophet Haggai. I struck you with blight and mildew and hail in all of the labors of your hands. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. That was a pretty eye-opening verse for me because the reality is, is because I'm a product as a pastor of the age of strategies and, and programs and trying to figure it out with my brain power and with our resources, trying to figure out how to turn things around with my education, with, my, with all of this stuff. And, and the reality is, is that could it be possible that the reason why things are not going well is because God's trying to get our attention? And because things aren't going well, and it seems like we have people whose commitment levels aren't where they should be, or, you know, it used to be a time when we would say, how many are coming to your church? And we would say, oh, I have this many on this week. Now when you say that with a pastor, they usually tell you how many come in a month. Because you consider regular attendance how many times you're there in a month, not necessarily how often you go there each week. And in all of that, could it be that we're missing the obvious picture here, and that is God's trying to get our attention and wants us to turn our attention back to him. So you're saying, okay, George, all right, well, that's wonderful. Great encouragement today. What do we do with this? Well, that's why I had Pastor Scott read from the book of Revelation. I love God's word. I'll tell you why I love God's word, because God's word just doesn't tell you the problem, he tells you what to do. And so what we're going to do is, is with chapter 2 of Revelation, we're going to go to a church that existed almost 2,000 years ago. At its time, it was a very prominent church. It was a church that the, the Apostle Paul had a very strong hand in, its foundation. And they were pretty prominent in the area. They were doing all of the right things, but they had something deeper going on. I would say that they were struggling like we were and what we are right now. And let me read to you what he says about them. Because when you read what he says at first, it's like, wow, that's a great church. I wish I was a part of that church. Listen to what he says. He says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patience. 
that you cannot bear with those who are evil, and that you've tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars, that you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Wow. They're doing the right things. Where can I go to be a part of that church? But listen to the next thing he says. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Two things. First of all, they were doing all the right things. All right, let me just go ahead and say this. I, I'm very familiar with what we're doing as a church, and because I have friendship with my pastor friends from all the other churches here in town, there's not anything that anybody's doing around here that's wrong. In fact, I see the commitment levels of the faith community to their churches, and I'm amazed. I am amazed at the effort, the resources that go into our churches, and that we are doing everything we can to help our community. We're doing all the right things. They were doing all the right things. In fact, let me tell you how much they were doing the right things. 40 years before, in Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul told them, hey, I'm going away, and when I go, these are the things that you need to do. So they were doing the right things that the apostle told them to do for 40 years. They hadn't strayed from that instruction. The way we do our churches, that's always been the way that we do it. Yeah, we maybe change our music. Yeah, we maybe change the way we dress coming to church now. But the fact of the matter is our churches basically run the same. We put the same effort. We do the same things. But for some reason, we're just not seeing it anymore. What's going on? Well, here's the second point. In the midst of doing church, they lost their love for Jesus. Can I say that again? In their midst of doing the church, they lost their love for Jesus. And you say, well, wait a minute, How, how's that possible, George? Because, I mean, I know Jesus, and I'm doing what I'm doing for the church. Yeah, but wait a minute now. Maybe, yeah, it's good to say that out loud, but if you really thought about it for a moment, this is true for even what I do, maybe it's because it's become what we do every week. I mean, I remember years ago, I, I'm, I'm pretty old now, so I uh, remember back when I was a young man, I used to listen to a Christian artist by the name of Dallas Home. Anybody remember Dallas Home? Rise again, yes. Don't ask me to sing that. I'm not a singer, okay? But he sang a song one time, and here's the lyrics he used. He said, Sometimes I do what I do because you love me. Sometimes I do what I do because I love you. But sometimes I do what I do because it's just what I do. And I think that's what's happened is, is that in the midst of our being the faith community and being a part of our churches and, and be doing what we're doing, it's, it's not because he loved me, Jesus loved me, or because I love Jesus. It's because I'm just a member. I'm a Sunday school teacher. I'm a pastor. I'm a deacon, an elder. 
I'm a faithful member. And the love is gone. The desire is gone. And so Sunday now becomes just one of many options that I can choose from. So what do we do about it? Well, it's interesting. God tells us what we can do about it in verse 5. I want to point out four things. I'm going to read you the verse. I'm going to point out four things he tells us. Okay? Here it is. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you and quickly, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. All right, four things here. Here's the way back. Here's what I felt God was trying to tell me to bring to you folks today. As we look at what's happening, as we're concerned, and I know we're concerned. It's, it's coming up in our meetings, trying to figure out what in the world's going on. How do, how do we get back? Well, he's telling us four things. Here it is. All right? First of all, number one, you remember. Well, yeah, that's what we're doing, George. We're remembering. We're remembering how it used to be. We remember how the altar used to be filled. We remember the kids coming to the program, and we remember the excitement in the church, and, and I remember in my heart all of this, and I remember this program, and I, I'm not asking you to remember a program. That's part of the problem. The problem is, is that we think the program is what brought people to the church. It's not the program. Do you hear me? It's not the program. It's not the preacher's preaching. It's not how the music was in the service. It's not, it's not any of that. that. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You've got to remember, what you've got to remember is the God who was working in that time of excitement. The God who was drawing your heart to want to come to church. The God who, who stirred you up to be involved in your church and volunteer. And never want to miss a service because that was your spiritual family. Remember, remember the excitement of listening each week to the pastor, wondering what, what's he going to bring to me this week, rather than, I hope he brings me something good this week. Remember, remember the passion that flowed through you because of the Lord. Remember. Here's the second thing he tells you right in the verse. It's uh, repent. What does that mean? Well, that means you got to own your spiritual condition and change. You know, there's a lot of theological definitions about repentance. I actually prefer a more practical illustration about repentance. And that is, okay, let's be honest. we got a problem in our community with drugs. Drugs is touching every one of our families in one way or another. Maybe you have a loved one that's in drugs or you have a friend that's in drugs. And, and they'll be quick to come to you and say, I got a problem, but they'll keep going into the problem. But you're saying, okay, I'm enough of the confession. How about a change? How about change your friends? How about change where you're hanging out? How about change your habits? See, that's what repentance is. Repentance isn't going to God and saying, God, yeah, you're right, I lost my love for you. No, no. Repentance is going to him acknowledging it, but repentance is going one step further and saying, okay, things are going to be different now. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get back to where I'm passionate about you. That's what he's talking about here. 
Repent. Here's the third thing. Keep doing what you were doing with a renewed love for Jesus. What? You're saying, hold on a second, George, you're saying our, our attendance is dropping and it's not the programs and, and, and that it's the love for Jesus and now you turn around and you're telling me to keep doing what we're doing? Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. What you're doing is okay. You're, you're doing right. The problem is, is the motivation for what you're doing. The problem is the heart for why you're doing it. That's what's changed. So you've got to change your heart back to, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm, I'm serving in this Sunday school working with these kids in my church for you. I'm volunteering for this for you. I'm, I'm baking that pie for that potluck for you. I'm, I'm baking that pie for that funeral dinner for you. You go back when you were passionate and you say, okay, I'm going to live that way again. That's the third thing. He tells us a fourth thing here that's pretty heavy. I'll read it to you and then I'll tell you what it means. He said, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. All right, now what's he talking about lampstand, George? Well, if you go back over to chapter one, he reveals to you that the lampstands, the seven golden lampstands are churches. So here's what he's saying. Recognize that we will cease to exist if we don't make the change. Recognize that we will cease to exist if we don't make the change. Our churches are just going to continue to bleed. We're going to continue to decrease. Our influence is going to disappear. And it's all because of our hearts. And it's about a heart after Jesus. You say, okay, George, wow, that's pretty heavy. What do we do with that? Well, there's only one thing you can do about it because I'm just going to be honest with you. What we're facing today in America, what we're facing today in our churches, has been going on for 2,000 years. History shows that in the 2,000-year history of the church, this has happened many times. So, okay, let me just go ahead and tell you, this is not the first time we've been here. And until Jesus comes, this won't be the last time. But what we can learn from history is that how the church overcame it before was by doing one thing. Pray. Pray that God would show up in our churches again. Did you hear what I said? You're concerned about your church. You're concerned about the attendance dropping off. You're concerned about this. Look, it's not the programming. It's not all these other factors out here. It's because of hearts. It's because people don't have a passion for him anymore. That's why attendance there doesn't mean anything. So how do, how do we overcome that? Pray. Pray. Ask God, God, show up in my church again. 
Show up in, in the 10 churches. You realize that we have 10 churches in Kerwinsville. Isn't that amazing? I was once told we have more churches than bars. It's possible. Pray that God would show up. So how, how do we pray for it? Well, first of all, you pray for yourself, your passion, your heart for God. You pray for your church. I can't think of anybody here that wouldn't love to see people start busting down the doors to get in your church again, would you? I don't think anybody would be upset with that unless they took your seat in your pew. Right? Pray for your church. Pray for the other churches. You know, one of the things I love the most about my friends is when they tell me, I prayed for your church this week. I prayed for you. That humbles me. Pray for your church. What are we going to pray? God, please show up again. Create in our hearts a passion for you. Lord, that your presence would be with us again. That's what we need to pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing this to my mind this week. It's not necessarily, well, it's, it's what you said to bring. And it's what we need to hear because the issue isn't the program, or the issue isn't what the culture is doing. The issue is our love for you. And I have to admit, Father, that many times I just go through the motions. I go through the motions in church, I go through the motions in preaching. I go through the motions, and to be honest with you, Lord, it's easy to do that. So I pray for myself and I pray for each one here. But Lord, you're our only hope. You're the only one who can change things. We're concerned. We're bothered. Loved ones that we used to see that were a part of our fellowships and, and part of our churches have some reason lost interest and they're gone or they're, they're not interested anymore. You talk to them about it. Or they're not, they're, they have no desire. And, and Lord, we see it, and yet we feel so helpless. And, and we, we try to think of reasons. We even get angry. We blame all these other things. And, and reality is, Lord, that's not it at all. The, the thing is, is that there's, there's a lack of passion and a love for you again. And Lord, it starts with me. Would you renew that passion in our hearts again? Would you help us to remember when we saw you work in our lives, we saw you working in our churches and move us? Lord, we're asking you to do what only you can do. That your presence would be real again. So I thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. And again, I just thank you for one of the greatest gifts that you gave us is being a part of this community. Lord, we love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.